0: We're in our eighth episode, Week 8, 2021. You know, the Fiber Broadband Association is now in its 20th year of operation, and the importance of fiber has reached an all-time high as our need for connectivity and bandwidth continue to grow. To meet that demand, we're seeing some amazing innovation and technology. In today's Fiber for Breakfast, we'll be discussing to 10 gig or not to 10 gig, no longer a question with ComboPond. But before I introduce our guests, I'd like to introduce uh, Trish Ehlers from our team, who's going to walk us through some housekeeping items. Thank you, Gary, and good morning to everyone who's joined us today. I'm going to quickly give you just a few logistical items. If you could please keep in mind, all participants are in listen-only mode. To ask a question, please type it into the question box located within your control panel to the right of your screen. We will host a Q&A session toward the end of the seminar. This presentation is being recorded and will be available to members only on FBA's website within 24 hours. You can find the recording in the events tab under the fiber for breakfast drop-down option. At the conclusion of the presentation, you'll be prompted to complete a brief survey. Please do that, we do take your answers into account. I'll now pass it back to Gary to introduce our panelists and get us started. All right, thanks, Drift. And uh, joining us today is Mike Scardino, the Director of Network Strategies and Technologies at Armstrong and Greg Lumen, Business Development Manager at Atran. Mike has over 20 years of network engineering experience in the telecommunications industry with the past eight at Armstrong. Prior to Armstrong, Mike spent eight years at Consolidated Communications, and he was a network engineer at Penn Telecom and an outside plan engineer at North Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Telephone. Mike is a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh and has an MBA from Waynesburg University. And Greg has been with AdTran for the past 10 years in roles as an SE and Business Development Manager. Prior to AdTran, Greg spent 13 years as a Network System Specialist at Graybar. Greg is a graduate in marketing, which surprised me given how technical Greg is, uh, from Minnesota State. Uh, So welcome, Mike and Greg. You know, a few weeks ago, we heard from uh, Farmers Tell in Rangeville, Alabama about their, you know, 10-gig XGS pon deployment and how they're leveraging a coexistent element to deliver both GPON and 10-gig XGS pon simultaneously on their network. But today, you're going to show us how you can leverage GPON and XGS pon from the same OLT blade and the benefits from that approach. So for our audience, you know, I know that you're going to have lots of questions, so please type them in as we go. And we'll leave some time for Q&A at the end. So over to you uh, Greg and Mike. All right good morning everyone
1: thanks for uh, sharing some time with us and I just want to take a minute to level set and for those of you that don't know um, ADTRAN we are one of the world's uh, leading access providers. Um, We have service provider partners um, in over 60 different countries spanning the globe. Um, We've worked with those service provider partners to turn up well over a thousand gigabit communities. And when you look across that combined install base, um, we're managing over 70 million devices um, that are connected to our Adtran systems that our partners have been leveraging. So um, yeah, if we can go ahead, uh, we'll talk about, you know, Today is the time for thinking about 10 gig and 10 gig Pawn and making that next move. Um, XGS Pawn is definitely on the rise. It, it's really been driven by things like you know it's become patently um, obvious here in 2020 that how important broadband is to our subscriber base and we're seeing those numbers reflect. We're seeing um, networks be challenged Uh, with the stay-at-home orders and and how we've kind of changed our our day-to-day behavior with the advent of COVID and the impacts there. We're starting to see that follow through. So XGS Pond is definitely on the rise. Uh, A recent Omdia report that they're planning to see 58% annual growth uh, of XGS Pond in North America and the European markets through 2025. Another interesting thing about XGS Pond is that the optics are well along that cost volume curve. So we're starting to see that price erosion happen and that's crucial um, as we move into this next technology phase for ponds. Uh, The other big thing that's really unlocked a lot of momentum in the market around XGS Pond is that diversity and diversification of ONTs, that endpoint that we're putting at the home. There are now multiple chipset uh, providers, vendors in the game and this is allowing vendors like ADTRAN to build additional form factors and get them to GA so we can fit all of the different use cases. As we're thinking about XGS PON and that kind of traditional overlay of GPON, that coexistence element that you see in the screen there kind of uh, bottom center, um, <clears throat> that does allow us to bring in two discrete OLTs covering both technologies, and deploy these in a somewhat simplified manner. But you still have some extra complexity that you're building into the network when you use this approach. You are deploying two discrete OLTs. So you're essentially building a parallel infrastructure from one end to the other and combining it on this coexistence module. Well, the coexistence modules are a very simple WDM device. They don't require a whole lot of maintenance or day-to-day monitoring. Uh, they do have a lifespan and, and that is something that you know they can be moderately disruptive as you plug them into a network. It's kind of a one and done type of project but there are still some hurdles that you need to overcome. So if we can move to the next slide um, we can talk about how ADTRAN has kind of simplified the entire operationalization of XGS PON. Um We call that Combo pon and this is really becoming a popular way to handle this transition period. Um, so what we're doing is we're combining um, all of the different technologies into one footprint, into one hardware footprint. What we do with ComboPON to really streamline that transition is we integrate XGS and Gpon on the same at the optical layer. So inside the SFP you have all the intelligence, you have the MAC layers of both GPON and XGSPON, you have all the optical components um, for both GPON and XGSPON and we consume that coexistence module right into the optic. So this gives us the ability to turn up both technologies on a single port on a single OLT and that helps us to remove a lot of the need for parallel infrastructure. In a greenfield scenario, this is really obvious what you end up with here. Um, You end up with both GPON and XGS-PON, so you're in a sense deploying two different networks um, at the same time and you can start thinking about having that capability then so you can segment your customer base. Um, Depending on your approach, you may take your basic residential services and keep them on GPON and then turn up XGS-PON for, say, a premium business service. Um, Depending on the applications that are out there, maybe you have an energy grid management need that might exist on either GPON or XGS-PON, and you have broadband services going on um, on that parallel technology that you're delivering over this single port. Um, If we look at the next slide, we can talk about one of the big benefits that combining combining a network like this Uh, gets you. Um, If you look at usage and start to run that out over a number of years, using GPON and XGS PON simultaneously with what we call Combo PON, that really stretches out our lifespan. It is a lifespan extender. Um, Right now, the numbers that we're seeing, we're going to add an additional 48 months of revenue that we can generate out of the GPON technology. Um, It's a big upward swing and then we're adding additional bandwidth to that exchange or that customer area that we're targeting by combining these two. So we even get an extra 24 months of revenue out of our XGS pond technologies. Um, This also allows you to extend your your depreciation times tables. So our math here, we're looking at kind of usage, um, end user usage and kind of building a trend of growth on an average based on some aggregate data and we're coming up with using this combined now 12 and a half gigs that you would be looking at that's going to lead to a longer lifespan on top of the life extension that we get out of doing combo pond you're reducing uh, parallel infrastructure that's gonna reduce your capex, can be as much as up to 50% in some of the studies we've done. You of course consume a lot of uh, a lot less energy. Uh, you're not powering two discrete OLTs. And of course that's gonna save you space. So having this idea of combination pond, being able to kind of take, um, grab that benefit and get the best of both worlds um, is a real driver here. And we think it's a, a, a real operational boon for our passive optical networks. I had a quick summary there, but we're good. Um, That kind of drove home my final points. So Michael. Okay, it looks like
2: we're back. Uh, Hi folks, uh, Mike Scardina. Glad to be able to talk to you today and share a little bit about Armstrong, and what we're up to. So who is Armstrong? Uh, Well, in addition to being a a cable company and telephone companies, we're also into security, guardian protection. Some of you may have heard, we're a nationally-based security firm. We also do some commercial property development. We do some electronics manufacturing, HVAC and plumbing. Very diverse company. But what I want to talk to you about today is is Armstrong, the the cable provider. We're uh, generally ranked the 11th largest MSO in the United States, operating in six states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, Maryland. And uh, we've been providing broadband internet since 1997. Um, uh, Very uh, uh, strong product for us. We've gotten very good reviews, very proud of those reviews. Okay, so the communication service provider, that that is what we are calling Armstrong Utilities, Armstrong Telephone. We brand that as Armstrong. So when you hear me say Armstrong, you know that's what I'm talking about. we are one Armstrong, one large network that serves all those, uh, those customers. Um, we pride ourselves in a, a spirit of innovation and creativity. We don't just do what everybody else does. We do what we believe is right for ourselves and more specifically right for our customers. Uh, we, we pride ourselves in being disruptors, both in technology and in our deployments. Uh, take care of the customer, something Ed Hassler, our former VP of uh, Engineering, used to say. It's very uh, we 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 take pride in that. Our customers are number one in our book, um, and those customers range anywhere from residential to business, commercial, both small home office, home office, small meeting business, but all the way up to larger enterprises as well. So, how do we how do we do what we do? Well, any, anytime you talk about a transition, it always helps to talk about the legacy network and remembering that that legacy network is there for a long period of time and there's a, a transition away from that. So, what do we do? Uh, most of that network today, from a cable perspective, is a hybrid fiber coax using DOCSIS technologies. Uh, interesting thing about DOCSIS, a lot of similarities to GPON and XGS-PON, how we uh, frequency multiplex a lot of things onto that, that medium. Uh, one thing we found over the years is coax is a lot more expensive than fiber these days, both material and in labor to construct it. 12 years ago, we started doing what's referred to as RF over glass uh, or RFOG. Uh, interesting thing about RFOG uses the exact same PON infrastructure that g and EPON technologies use. So uh, that part, nothing changes when you're going from RFOG to the, the next technologies. Now, a big challenge in, in, in HFC and our fog is really upstream capacity, uh, very challenging to, to, to change that upstream uh, when you're thinking about multiplexing all these qualm uh, frequencies on, onto HFC. You have to split that, you have some go in one direction, some go in another, we call that the split. And moving that split is what changes the upstream capacity, very challenging to do that. Um, now, when we look at our CAGR growth, our compound and annual growth rate, traditionally we see 42% which had us go to uh, consider what our next uh, technology to be. We call that network of the future and on the next slide I'll tell you a little bit more about what that is. So, network of the future, that's that's what we call the next step of how we evolve our network. We're now in year four of that and it began with comparing DOCSIS with fiber to the home. So we say how do we continue to grow our network into the future We compared with what the the cable industry as a whole was focused on, and that's DOCSIS 3.1 and and later DOCSIS 4.0, to fiber-the-home-based technologies. Um, What we found with DOCSIS 3.1 is it's really a stopgap, and a lot of folks are seeing that as well at this point. We would no sooner get our network upgraded to 3.1 and then have to go to the next step. The, the 3.1 upgrades would be cheaper than going to Fiber the Home, Would you expand that out to a midterm, and especially long term. Fiber the Home was way more cost effective and provides a much longer uh, roadmap uh, for that technology. Um, one thing to, to mention about DOCSIS 4.0 is uh, it's very different from legacy DOCSIS. There's two different versions of that, extended spectrum DOCSIS and full duplex DOCSIS. Uh, The the, uh, ability to produce both of those on the same chipsets, both at the DOCSIS uh, OLT level, or I'm sorry, the CMTS level and at the CPE level, very expensive, uh, which drives that cost up. It also creates some extreme challenges in the plant and fiber deep. Our thought is if you're going fiber deep, passing all those homes anyway, you might as well take that fiber in the house. Uh, So we settled on GPON with ADTRAN's TA5000 platform for that network of the future. So with our TA5000 platforms, today we're doing GPON. I, I mentioned we're in year four of this. Uh, with our current uh, capacity for, from the 5000s, we can do up to 80 gigabits uh, uplink to our core network. That gives us a lot of growth uh, for now, but at the same time, if we need to hop up to 100 gigabit uh, uplinks, we can do that with a switch module upgrade. No, no worries about that. Key thing to point out about uh, Fiber of the Home, we see uh, the whole idea of GPON and XGS more of an evolutionary pattern, right? The revolutionary piece, that was the actual fiber pond. Once you build that fiber layer, you can continue to layer so much onto that with seemingly infinite growth. So the evolution of, of with the, that of G-pawn, we really see that as really beginning with uh, fog, You know, using that revolutionary pawn technology evolving to G-pawn, the next step in that is really XGS pawn. We kind of see XGS-PON as DOXUS 2.0. Well, Doxas 3.0, doxus 4.0. There's a lot of evolution when I'm trying to get a GPON and XGS-PON technologies in the very, very near future. A um, little bit about GPON versus EPON. There's still a little bit of a religious debate in the uh, overall industry community. Um, a lot of folks really uh, turned away from GPON because they're concerned about provisioning, uh, and quite honestly, I'm sure it was that way in the beginning as well. Uh, having a back office infrastructure that is DOCSIS, trying to provision with DOCSIS. I'll tell you this, provisioning GPON with DOCSIS is not hard at all. We we did it, It's uh, we've actually evolved that platform as well. Very comfortable with it and love the flexibility that the GPON platform provides. So why now, why move to, to, to XGS now? Well, in part of doing some of our analysis and going to XGS PON, we, we looked at one of the most important things and that's the trend line, which is CAGR growth, compounded annual growth rate. I mentioned previously, we typically use a 42% growth rate we did some deeper analysis for last year, and uh, we were kind of blown away, did triple and quadruple takes on the number. Our average use CAGR for last year, and this is kind of taking out the bumps that are COVID, was really 55%. Now, we focused so much on COVID last year, but we, we sometimes overlook some other changes in the industry. Those, those customer trends that, granted, COVID did kind of bump some of those forward. But when you think about everything that's being done in the home today, not just the home, but the business as well, not and everybody says IoT and everybody says gaming. But bottom line is this. There are so many different devices in the home, so many different uses for bandwidth in the home that we never had in the past. And we, which has actually caused us to look at how we do uh, kegger analysis. We don't just do average use anymore. We do peak use as well. Because when you think about the holiday spike, that new toy syndrome, right? I just got something for Christmas. I got this new TV. I got this new tablet. What's the first thing you do? What can it do? All these new features. The new Samsung TVs, you you have roughly 200 channels that are all over the top and free. And you spend so much time using those. With over the top, I will say this, folks. If if you're you're still fearful of over the top, um, get over it. Embrace it. If you don't, your competitor will and uh, that's kind of where we are. Provide that solid broadband experience for the customer. The customer will use it the way they want to use it, not the way I want them to use it. Be be the best that you can be to them. So as we look at that, how the customer's using things, or is the customer demand a competitive threat? And um, one thing that XGS pon gives you that we oftentimes overlook is, uh, is that better over subscription, right? Now right? well, granted, as you as people consume that uh, bandwidth, the oversubscription rate then changes. But um, as g fills up and you're able to overlay XGS-PON, you will get better oversubscription rates, which leads to more throughput, lower lag. Okay, we used to call that latency, but the gamers call it lag, embrace that term as well, lag. So what's some of our strategy? Well, it, it's a cap and grow. At this point, we will buy no more Gpon only cards. It makes just uh, financial sense for us to spend that money once, by the XGS combo card so that we can overlay XGS on with GPON today. Now the focus is really this. It is a coexistence. It's not XGS only. It's coexistence of XGS with traditional GPON. The GPON will typically stay at the residential customer, that lower cost CPE where we deploy mass amounts of it. GPON works well for those residential customers today, but if I have a high bandwidth user, if I have uh, someone who's um, has more demand in their home than others do, I will likely move those guys to, to XGS Pawn. removes the burden of the, of the uh, on that G pawn, pawn and gives better experience for the customer on XGS. Also, on top of that, we have a lot of Pawns that, that serve both residential and uh, business customers. Focusing XGS on that business customer moving forward also makes just a lot of sense. Now, a simple remedy that I mentioned about is uh, that service group, the Pawn. Customers on a pond being a service group. Uh, when there is congestion, being both residential, business, doesn't matter. Recognize now that you have an easy way to move that customer bandwidth from one service group to another. Awesome thing about the overlay. Um, you actually can build your physical plant with 64 to 1 splits. So think about it today. So today you build out G A lot of folks are doing 32 to 1. Some are doing 64 to 1 physical splits. When you overlay XGS, you can have your GPON configured to do 32 to 1, your XGS configured to do 32 to 1. Combined together using the same shared plant, it's an actual physical split of 64 to 1. That's pretty big as far as being able to really double the deployment capacity of that single fiber. And all of this with no major changes to our TA5000 OLTs. So in summary, you know, uh, at least for us, and, and we believe for a lot of folks, XGS really... The time is now for it. Uh, find a way that makes so that makes financial sense. Armstrong's evolving platform we really see network of the future based on fiber ponds as having infinite life. Uh, no one has found a theoretical limit right now to fiber and uh, that's from the the you know a lot of the PhDs that are, are really exploring fiber cable apps and such as well. Customer trends really driving you to the need to do some metric 10 gig by 10 gig, upstream is way more important than it was years ago. Uh, find a way to, to meet those customer needs. And on, on top of that, I believe the best way to do it is to spend that capex once and be prepared, be
0: proactive, up reactive. Back to you, Gary. Thanks, Mike. Um, you know, Greg, Mike, this, this is really interesting. Uh, so Mike, what are you seeing as far as, um, I know you were saying your your growth is uh, 55% CAGR, What's what's your average um, downstream and upstream today? So the Kager numbers that I,
2: I gave you it really uh, is focused on downstream. We 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 did see the actual Kager growth for upstream is is higher than that. It's it's closer to uh, around seventy percent for last year. And uh, one thing with Kager for for this past year, everybody going to teams, go to meeting and you know Zoom and whatnot, uh, really drove a lot of that. School from home, work from home, and such. Isn't it funny to think you know if someone said uh, You know, WHM, a couple, you know, work from home, WFH, uh, uh, a year ago, which you even know what it meant, right? We, going into COVID, we were seeing right around 2.2 megs per second average bandwidth usage.
0: That's over three at this point. Okay, so we had a ton of questions come in. Um, So one is uh, I'm asking about your RDOF awards, and is this the technology you plan to use in those RDOF um, locations? So, so our applications for
2: RDOF, and, and it's this, this being public at this point, um, we, we we propose that with uh, with fiber to the home deployments. We propose that with GPON, however, as I mentioned, um, we are cap and grow at this point. Any new blades that we buy are combo. Uh, the focus out of the gate is to deploy those combo blades with GPON optics and GPON ONTs, but uh,
0: also the, the very easy flexibility to add on uh, xgs as needed and are you are you offering 10 gig residential service or is this is more uh, future proofing
2: uh so I, I will say a little bit of both um i i'm very uh, much looking forward to having uh, a, an xgs combo blade in our fennelton hub so that i can have a 10 gig pond in my house but uh <laughs> it's nice thing about being the development guy you get to play with some of that stuff um we we are planning to roll out very soon uh, two gig, three gig, and four gig speeds, uh, primarily focusing on the on the business customer first. Um, obviously, if a residential customer wants that speed, even though it's not yet a product in residential, it's absolutely available.
0: Great. And then uh, I had a number of questions about, uh, you know, are you using DPOE? So I had another one here: Why has Armstrong chosen GPON over EPON and DPOE?
2: so uh really really long uh um storyline on, on epon and I'll, I'll save you the uh the headaches with that um bottom line is we did do epon in the past and, and the approach for that was doc's provisioning of, of epon dpoe um provisioning was simple on that uh the epon products were not at least at the time we're not we're not back to the level that we need so we punted uh, we went to gpon and there is no standard for dpog but the, uh, the simple fact of the matter is this, provisioning GPON with a DOCSIS infrastructure is not hard. It just takes a level of middleware, right? A way to translate what we're saying in DOCSIS to what GPON speak needs to be, so to talk to that, that optical communications channel, right? That OMCI. Today, what we do, we'll just say there's just some middleware. Uh, we, we make that middleware ourselves. Uh, previously, we, we sourced it to somewhere else our DOCS provisioning through middleware talks to ADTRAN's
0: AOE provisioning and by, by using templates we're able to deploy any any service we need. also got a question on the ONTs. I know that Greg starts had a, a number of different um, option ONT options but the question here is are you uh, outdoor ONTs on the side of the house or are you doing indoor ONTs? A uh, lot of debate on that for some time.
2: We settled on indoor. And the reason for that is, is to be able to secure that away for, for a lot of different reasons. One, to keep it out of the elements To uh, uh, from a security perspective. Uh, if that's not outside, nobody can tamper with it. But at the same time, too, uh, being able to provide uh, an easy connection for battery backup, easy connection to the customer, and, and really a lower cost deployment as well. So if I don't have to deploy something that's weather-hardened outside, and I can deploy it in the customer home, uh, it's easier to work on, easier to install, and it's lower cost.
0: And this is a question from one of our leading industry analysts and i want to make sure i get this correct because i'm sure she's writing a report uh it sounds like you're buying combo Pond only enabled is that incorrect oh, i'm sorry I'm, say that question but, again but the way it reads is sounds like you're buying combo Pond only enabled so i think that means are you exclusively buying combo Pond versus uh, having a mix of G-PON, XGS-PON, and combo-PON blades.
2: So we, uh, the, 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 our, our cap and grow poly- uh, procedure is this: is to no longer buy the G-PON only blade, but instead buy the combo blade. That combo blade being bought with G-PON only optics. Now we will be buying as well um, G-PON combo with G-PON combo optics. Okay. So X, so those will do XGS out of the box, and we'll mix and match those optics as needed to uh, facilitate the customer needs. So in other words, if that Pawn is okay with GPawn today, if it's if it's all residential, and I don't have any commercial, then it'll probably be GPawn unless the customer needs, uh, you know, require jumping to to XGS. If it has commercial in it, um, the awesome thing about XGS Pawn, uh, when I need to provide above gig one speeds, what well, I'm sorry, when I need to provide above one gigabit speeds, no longer do I have to do a direct fiber to the customer. Now I can just simply do XGS Pawn and, off to the races we go way way cheaper so as we need those xgs combo optics we will insert those into the xgs g one combo blade that'll allow the xgs to be available um uh, 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 coexist with uh, with g-point
0: All right and then uh, greg this one i think is for you uh, so does the legacy atran chassis need to be changed out to accept the combo cards sorry talking to me no not at all You can
1: uh, put the latest and greatest combo OLT right into the current chassis with the SM40 switch modules. And incidentally,
2: that's what you do, Um, you know, and and, um, if you have enough XGS combo blades in your chassis, you'll need to um, put a a fan module augmentation, still replaceable because it's an easy replace, low cost to replace too. We're not doing that unless we need to. Uh, so if you just have a, a couple blades and a chassis doing XGS, uh, we, don't, we don't see any need to do that today. My trend may uh, correct me on that, but uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, it's it's very simple. Now, this is extremely interesting, not only from the the XGS part of this and combo pond, but also just on the whole dynamics of moving, you know, being a cable operator and moving to fiber, you know, given the number of uh, cable companies that took off awards, it looks like that will be a, to me it looks like a tipping point for more cable companies to move to fiber. but uh, we have uh, some other questions and I think uh, we'll send this to you guys and you, you can answer those um, offline and sorry we weren't able to get to all those questions but we're out of time so I wanted to st- just say thank you you know, Mike and Greg you know really appreciate you know your leadership and in innovation and in delivering 10 gig services you know, to the communities in the strong footprint. that's awesome. And I hope the audience, I hope you all join us next week uh, for Five Before Breakfast on Wednesday where we're going to be discussing can fixed wireless deliver hard-off gigabit speeds uh, with Larry Thompson and Vantage Point. And uh, you you may have seen one of the filings at the FCC as a white paper that Larry and Vantage Point wrote on this topic. So I think that will be very interesting. So thanks again for joining us today and we look forward to getting back together next Wednesday.